here we go hello welcome to everyone watching getting it off her chest i have a beautiful guest with me today her name is marie antoinette hello 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 hello, hello. <laughs> we've just been laughing about that um she is an amazing amazing woman i've actually had a session with marie antoinette and uh, it was incredible i've uh, met Marie through a mutual friend of ours, Melanie. And so I think, you know, when we're met to meet people, we just we just do, we're brought together. And it felt yeah. very much uh, like that for us. Um, I'm just gonna read your little bio here that you sent me because it just give you, give the people that are watching and listening to this a little snapshot of your mission. So Marie Antoinette Hulu's mission is to return the truth to the world, to help set them free from all false conditioning and help assist the return of ancient practices to humanity, to help heal and open their hearts to their true divine sovereign power. Correct. I totally resonate with that. So let's begin. I'll also just talk about your book that I have read. I devoured it in a couple of days. It's called Same, Same But Different, A Soul Approach to Mental Health. And I guess this is a good starting point because um, you have yourself had a lot of experience in that mental health institution, starting off yeah. with your mother and also your own experience with that and also the fact that you're incredibly incredibly psychic and i know of this of, of other people who are who have this psychic ability they can look on the outside like they are crazy or when they've got such a, a connection this psychic connection that you can feel crazy yourself so talk to us a little bit about how you started on this road to your you know connection to source and your psychic abilities well, my experience was very, very difficult. Like, um, I know with other people who are psychic, uh, their childhood experiences might be that they've seen spirits or, um, you know, they've been able to see things. So it's very obvious to them uh, that they are actually skilled in an area. So for me, it was very difficult because I had what's called claircognizance, which most people understand what clairvoyance is, is to be able to see into the future. But I had an inner knowing. So claircognizance is often unknown and it's, um, it's an inner knowing without any doubt that something is true. So mm -hmm. it's a very confusing thing to have or a skill to have on its own. And so I had that skill from a very um, young age. Um, mm -hmm. However, the other skills started to come online afterwards. So I had certain awakenings and then, you know, um, my multidimensional skills, I would say, um, like clairaudience, um, which is hearing, and clairsentience, which is sensing. Um, and clairvoyance came a, a lot later. So the claircognizance was very confusing on its own um, because, you know, you might hear things that people are telling you, especially as a child, hearing things from adults and the inner knowing is like, oh, no, hang on, that's not true. That's not true. So, for example, I'll give you an example. I know when I got raised in a Catholic upbringing, some of the some of the things that I was taught there was was that we just have this life, for example. And I remember asking lots of questions as a child, like, "You sure? Like, um, what happens after this? It's nothing. Like, you just..." Um, and I didn't quite have a concept of what happens after death, for example. And I remember 
I remember feeling like I was being lied to by my parents. Like I, I felt like, why are they lying to me? I, and I had a sense of mistrust in the world. Like it was so difficult to live in the world because I didn't trust anything outside. Um, and so in, a, in, a, in an interesting way, it helped me to trust the inside a lot better. Um, mm. So um, that manifested in, in difficulties in teenage years because I was often seen as oppositional and defiant and you know, I wouldn't follow the rules and I wouldn't um, uh, succumb to what adults were telling me. So um, back in my day growing up, ADHD wasn't such a big thing, um, but I'm pretty sure that if I had grown up a lot later, I certainly would have had that label put on me um you know easily distracted um unable to concentrate often a lot of the time um you know all of these manifestations which look like mental illness are Mm. often um examples of um you know skills that we have that we don't even know that we have because let's face it the world doesn't support that on on a global level like there are lots of psychics and people like that but we're not really supported um you know uh throughout generations you know the great witch hunts through through the times um you know anybody who was doing this kind of stuff was very suspicious and somebody to stay away from or be a little bit um, careful of um, yeah. so I've had those energies coming towards me all my life which has caused a lot of depression and anxiety because uh, I didn't understand why people would back away from me or not trust me and there was certainly um, that in re- re- reciprocation as well like um, yeah. you know I had certain feelings about people that I couldn't understand and people would say, be nice to this person or yeah, and something in my body was like, oh, no, I don't really want to, Um, which, you know, it's hard to hold and it's hard to have your social graces um, when you've got all these emotions going on in your body because it's like, I mean, you can look like somebody who's got Asperger's, for example, sometimes because you can can almost um, get really agitated and say things that you don't mean like... um, because you have this urgency in your body to maybe shut down what's going on around you or um, it's the best way for me to describe it, the extreme form of this would probably be schizophrenia because it's mm-hmm. so hard to take in all the information and everything that's going on and also understand what's going on in the body that it can manifest in some splitting in the consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I guess... I don't know you haven't asked me this question, but I'll go ahead and say, yeah, my psychotherapy studies and also all my studies around trauma have been able to help myself understand myself, but then also see that it's happening to lots of other people that perhaps... Well, yeah, perhaps, I mean, perhaps, the beginning of the book here... going on, yeah? The, book, the beginning of your book here, I'm just reading again. To all of those who have ever felt different to everybody else who have been labelled, suppressed, felt crazy, weird, isolated and alone, this is for you. Blessings to you. May you find solace, wisdom, relief, humour and inspiration within. Sensitive souls who behave differently, SSBD. And I can totally relate to that. That's why, you know, when I read that, it was like, yeah, sometimes you are treated differently, people don't get don't get where you're coming from. And I've found that I have suppressed a lot of that throughout my life because I didn't I wanted to fit in and I didn't want to feel like I was not not normal. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm getting quite emotional actually as you read that because even 
this is how I am. Like um, I, I feel very deeply. That's another thing that yes. uh, we don't often, because we're so, we're, we're we're in society. We try they, they try to put us into a structure of one mold and one box and one size fits all, and it certainly doesn't. I mean, we all think at different speeds. Uh, we feel at different um, levels. So um, what could affect somebody just slightly could affect the next person really deeply, and so. We can't place a measure of um, just one thing fits all. And I think that's what happens when we look at the mental health system is we have this box and structure of this is how you're expected to behave and this is how you should be. And anything else that deviates from this is, is, is unwell. And that to me um, is insane. <laughs> I could just not the word for it. Let's talk about the mental health um, experience for you and, and how you found yourself in that if you can talk about that and and how you realise that this this wasn't where you were meant to be. Well, it's so interesting because most people have a fear of death, right? Their biggest fear might be to die, yeah, or public speaking is the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest fear was none of the, like, either of those two things. I had actually um, established my career in many different ways, uh, quite confident, um, quite embodied and, and, and felt, uh, you know, I could public speak. And I also wasn't afraid of death because of my abilities from the mediumship side and communicating and also travelling to um, the light and also feeling all the love that's on the other side. So death to me then wasn't a finality. It was just another place. Um, so those two fears were not there. But there was one fear left and that was sitting there, which was I never, ever wanted to end up in a psychiatric ward. I had this terror about it. And it could have been because probably there was a lot of trauma associated with the love that I had for my mother and my brother who were constantly in these systems. And when I went there, could see that it was a punishing system. It wasn't a wellness system. It was a almost a restraining system where... Um, the medications would dull them down, um, make them shut down, uh, make them disconnected, almost like zombies. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I started, well, I had a passion from that to help in the mental health arena, okay? So most people who get into those helping fields have been deeply affected by family members often. So so, uh, so when I did find myself um, in that experience, um, I was traumatised quite a lot to begin with. Um, and when I did try to speak up for myself um, and I actually had some insight into what was happening to me at the time because of my own training, but that was not listened to or heard. So, for example, um, I remember trying to tell them, look, I understand what's happening to me, but I know that I was um, behaving in some interesting ways. But I tried to say to them, um, you know, like, I'm actually a psychotherapist. And they're kind of nodding their head at me. And I could tell they didn't take me seriously. And then I think I made a joke because I was so nervous. And then they looked at me a bit strange. And I said, oh, I'm a comedian as well. And they went, oh, okay, okay. And I remember getting my file notes much later because under the Freedom of Information Act, I can obtain all that information. And um, it said that the patient is suffering a delusion that she's a psychotherapist and a stand-up comedian. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of interesting because everything was seen that I was doing through the lens of pathology, and so traumatized already going in there, I was even more traumatized because I felt so trapped in order to try and get the help I needed 
because I was not being listened to or heard, I was just being seen as somebody who's not very well, who doesn't have a say in her own um, treatment because I was trying to say to them, look, I'm not happy with these medications, which I was again looked at as oppositional and defiant, um, also a symptom of, of apparent my apparent disorder at the time, uh, which is interesting that it's a symptom. Um, that's a symptom that, that you're in denial of, of something. Yeah. Uh, that you don't know your own truth. So um, it was an interesting process because I know they they probably, I laugh at the situation because I probably was a handful for them from their angle uh, because I was constantly, constantly trying to speak up and stand up and uh, uh, assert my rights, um, call in help from as much as possible I could from, from legal people to understand how I could get out. Uh, yeah. You know, it was it was a very intense time, uh, and uh, it was it was a very interesting experience too, in a way, from a higher perspective, because you know it gave me so much more compassion for my mother and my brother to actually experience that firsthand. And you know, if I was helping people in the mental health system, it actually gave me a renewed uh, sense, actually, of being able to help people. It, it touched. Uh, my heart in so many ways to have gone through that pain uh, and to understand that but there were so many people in there that were not unwell. They were in yeah. there because they had taken drugs and they'd had um, drug psychosis, which I thought was very interesting that, that I asked. Oh, it was like I was interviewing the other patients. So I would ask them, how did you end up in here? I mean, uh, one story was that there was a young man who, um, and I'll share this about his culture too because it's very interesting. He came from the same culture as mine. I'm Lebanese and Egyptian. So uh, he came from a Lebanese culture. He was very young, only 19. And I asked him, how did you get in here? And he said that, um, in all honesty, he'd been taking some amphetamines. Uh, he hadn't told his parents that. And he lost his temper and he was kicking things around. And his mother called the police to say, my son, my son, he's gone crazy. Because that's how Arabic women express themselves. <laughs> they say, my son, he's gone crazy. So what did the police do with that? The police thought, okay, he's crazy. He's mentally unwell. We must pick him up and take him to the psychiatric ward, you see. So um, they... they um, took him to the psychiatric ward he got assessed and he was he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and he was uh, so upset about it and i said to him he said they've put me on a treatment order now and now i have to take all these medications and i said to him he uh, he said there's nothing wrong with me and i said yeah i can see that very clearly and i'm so sorry that you're going through this um i tried to help him actually while i was in there um I tried to help many people actually while I was in there um, because I could see what was really going on. Um, I could see. You would yeah. say this was like your training ground into the work that you're doing now, like well, a precursor. Yeah, I see it as an initiation now, like um, in the shamanic traditions, we often need to go through experiences in our real world and our life in order to become fully ready to be yes. able to um, fully deliver a message or um, to fully help the people, that those that need it. We often need to walk the path in which they've walked in order to come back and help. Yeah. Absolutely. So... With all that experience and um, eye-opening stuff and, and a real look into 
yourself, I guess, through through these experiences, where has it led you in what in the work that you're doing? I mean, I know this book, for example, took a long time for to get out. Um, it did over ten years to get out that one. <laughs> so, so where has it led you to now? And what if you know, if we're talking about living in the present moment, because as we know, time is speeding up. Um, we're in a really exciting. Um, time of change it's it's amazing to be on this planet right now um some of the people that may listen to this would be thinking what the hell are they all talking about but so can you give us a kind of a a touch on where your work is leading you to now and what do you think is like at the critical where are we at this critical point in time what's it all about right okay sure so as you said before, like my, it's like my experiences in my life have been my training. And so, I mean, I've, I've, I've studied so much. I've studied, oh, I don't know, probably for about 18 years now, many different modalities. And what I have understood is that I'm just bridging them all together now in my work. So um, I studied as a gestalt psychotherapist. Um, I've also studied theta healing, which looks at changing your beliefs um, because our beliefs create our reality. And if we've got unconscious beliefs, like, you know, people are always going to hurt me, that's what we're going to bring in. So changing the belief systems is very important. So I'm also an instructor in that. So I teach people um, that certi- those certificates in order to help themselves and others. And also, um, you know, I've studied family constellations, so family systems, and having mm-hmm. a look at, you know, how phenomena can happen with different family members carrying different traumas for other family members. It's a very interesting thing. So I run those and and so I'm doing um, that as well, but my one-on-one work, and I also do women's retreats as well to help them connect with um, the feminine aspect of them um, because one thing about balance of what I've learned in the healing practices that I have gone into and for myself is that for us to be fully balanced really in this world is to acknowledge that we might have um, an exterior female body, you and I, but we have a masculine side and the, and the males who have the exterior masculine body also have the feminine. And so everything is a symbol of everything else. And if we're at war with ourselves, then we're going to be at war with others around us. So if we're at war with the masculine part of ourselves, we're going to have resentments and and not nice, not not, not so much nice energy to male energy. And male energy is um, kind of threefold. Um, I'll explain what I mean. So male energy can be, um, you know, towards your father or towards your brother or towards your son. Or it could also be um, a disconnection from Father Sky, if we can say that, right? Um, And then if people are disconnected from the feminine part of them, they could be disconnected from Mother Earth. They might not be really grounded. They might have disconnections with their mothers or their sisters or their daughters. So um, if we heal, and um, what my particular thing is where I'm going is pretty much a multidimensional healing framework where I will use... Uh, my abilities uh, in the psychic world and and, and, um, time travel and traveling in consciousness to be able to assist people. But then I will also use my psychotherapy experiences and trauma to to ground that and help to support that process. Mm. Um, So it's kind of a a multifold process. I was going to say two, but really it's multifold process of helping people on many different levels. Um, 
because I found in my own healing uh, that I had to go to many different arenas. Yes. Um, you know, not not one modality is going to sort yes. everything out. Or, or people, I mean, I remember studying psychotherapy and even sitting in the four-year course that I did, I would sit there and go, surely there's got to be a quicker way than this. Surely people shouldn't be sitting in a chair for years at a time uh, yeah. telling their stories, yeah? yeah. So um, I guess I work on the soul level also because of what I have found is that a lot of uh, things that people experience, um, I like to call it past life bleed through, I call it. Um, it's a term I haven't um, published yet, but something quite new. Um, yeah. So a path I've bleed through can be that some people could be having reactions to certain things in their life now that comes from past life that cannot be explained in traditional psychology yeah. because traditional yeah. psychology doesn't look at um, uh, that life. You know, traditional psychology will look at from when you were born until yeah. where you are now. But mm -hmm. if we look at multidimensional healing, we're able to see that there are past lives that are contributing to some of these things, um, for example. For example, for my own self, I know, um, and for other people, I've known that they might have been ostracised a lot in their past life or rejected or abandoned. And so that is a great sensitivity to them in this life. So anytime anybody's going to reject them or abandon them or, or, or you know, not accept them, then then it's it's a real deep intrapsychic pain. It's a, and that's a term that that um that would explain some of this multidimensionality that I'm talking about. It's such a deep intrapsychic pain that is often hard to put into words. So often people can't go and speak to someone like a therapist because they don't know what's happening to them. And so going to other body centered therapies as well, like bypassing the mind construct, you know, um, and being able to do therapies like that where you're bypassing the mind can often help people like this. Yeah. Yeah. So can we talk about um, there's a lot of talk right now about self-love and, yes. yeah, and it's it seems to be a buzzword at the moment. Can you talk to us a little bit about how important self-love is right now? <laughs> well, as you're asking that, I'm so much joy in my body. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know this is a big one for you. <laughs> it is a big one because, well, I suppose, look, all my life I've read books and all the self-help stuff and all this, all this stuff points to you just got to love yourself, right? And so what I've, what I'll, can I share an experience that happened for me recently? Sure. I, so just recently I had an experience where I fell in love with myself uh, and the best of my, it was a very bizarre experience and and I'm glad we're talking about this on this particular channel I suppose because it's such an experience that it's so difficult to express to people because it does look crazy okay yes. so I had this experience where I caught my reflection in the mirror and I looked directly into my eyes and I just had this moment where I was just like oh she's so beautiful she's amazing and then I just thought about everything that I'd gone through in my whole life and I just had this admiration of just oh wow she survived so much and she's still here and I just it was so beautiful that I laughed to myself being the comedian that I am I was laughing to myself and thought oh I should I should marry myself I should so it was just a fleeting thought at the first 
time. And then the second time it happened was in my in my home, and I caught again. I caught my reflection, and so it, it happened all over again. And it was almost like, oh, there she is. Oh, she's so beautiful. Even as I'm saying it, it sounds sounds insane. Um, but, but I'm very much in love with myself now. And yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I did seal the deal. I did marry myself um, over in Bali. I actually did um, some work over in Bali, which was body-centered trauma stuff that that I needed to do. Because my thing is, is that um, yes, I'm no, I'm nobody's guru. I'm nobody's teacher. I'm not. I'm not an expert. I can only really share from my own experience and and my training, I suppose. However, um, people are their own experts. Yeah. So. Um, and that's the key, really. <laughs> the key yeah. is to find your own expert within yourself. So, mm. um, so I guess I, I did, and I'm pointing that out because I continually am doing work on myself. I continually, um, you know, try to evolve myself in order to be more of service to others. Yeah. So it's yes. a continual process of self development. So, so I, I did some more work and um, afterwards I had a, ma a major process where I did a bit of a ceremony. Um, um, I'm touching my ring now. I feel like I want to show people my ring. Uh, that's my uh, wedding ring, which um, represents as above and so below. Um, yes. And also uh, it, it was a much significance um, because – it kind of was an integration process of all the love that I suddenly had for myself. And um, often they say in relationships as well, if you're trying to find a partner, you must be a whole person. You must love yourself before you can love, allow love in or give love. And so, mm. you know, our world is so, uh, we've been taught keep loving others and keep doing this and being so loving towards others. But we can't actually do that well because um, yes. we could hurt people without realising, and I've certainly done that. And yep. so, and and realising how much I'd hurt people in the past because I didn't love myself was quite painful. And painful. so when I, when I did marry myself, it was like, wow. And I made vows. I made specific vows. I had um, a, a make-do, beautiful woman that played my bridesmaid and she also oh. played the um, the celebrant as well and she, she organised lots of things. But I actually want to um, do a proper wedding here in Australia um, because it was a it was a kind of a rush thing, but um, I'm quite seriously considering um, doing it properly and, and having, um, you know, family members there and things like that, as crazy as it sounds. I and I know it's, it's just, I, mean, I just. I mean, we're, we're always looking outside, aren't we, for the, the other yeah. part, the other half to, to make us feel whole. And if that person just loves me or if I just love that person, then we can skip off in, you know, it's the fairy tale, right? But it's a, yeah. We need to love ourselves. This is a journey. It's the it, to me. It's the key. It's the key to living a really healthy life. Even as you were talking, then you know, I just, I just um, had so much. It's like you're saying, you know, we, we we feel this love and we feel complete and this. I feel so complete in myself with this ceremony that I have done, um, and I've also discovered, um, you know, that it's an ancient practice. Um, oh. So it's a very ancient Egyptian practice um, oh. to actually form a union with oneself because it's very wise. If we form a, a union with oneself, um, it actually helps us 
um, connect within ourselves and we're just able to see the truth about things. Um, You know, this world is, um, it's changing. There's lots of love and light. Yeah, beautiful. Spiritual movement has been fantastic. But there's a third thing that we need, which is truth. Uh, We need the truth um, of everything to come forward because without the proper truth in our world, um, people are lost. So, um, you know, there's a great saying that once you find the truth, the truth shall set you free. Um, So, uh, and you know, at first, I, it'll piss you off a little bit. And at first, it will piss you off a little bit. Yeah, let's add that bit in there because yeah. it is difficult. It yeah. is. It's so difficult when you start to see truths that you didn't see before, and it's a bit like, wow, it's so yeah. different, or it's a it's a perception shift. It can be ungrounding. I mean, and even in those experiences, you can lose friends. You can even lose connections with your family because you you no longer resonate with them anymore. And so it's like, and you don't know why. Um, yes. I mean, people I know at the moment are experiencing so much of that at the moment. So much no. discord. And uh, but because it's a necessary process, actually, it's a necessary process for people to come into their own being and come, you know, stop looking outwards, come inwards, yeah, yeah, Um, Yeah. and and we can't be of service to other people if we are not complete in ourselves, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole thing, that's all we've got time for, (laughs) that's half an hour gone. But we will have another conversation because there's so much to, to cover. There's so much to talk about. I love your book and um, I'll obviously have information about how people can contact you, um, oh. get in contact. I've had a session with you. It was absolutely amazing, uh, very insightful. I think you've got such a gift and you're a gift to the world and we need people like you right now. I love you because you're no bullshit, you're straight shooter, you say how it is and that's probably why I resonate with you um, yeah. and, and I hope that this helps people get a, a feeling and an essence of you, who you are, what your gift is to the world and what a bloody courageous woman you are. I love you dearly. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you. Jay, so much. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Have a wonderful day. I will. <laughs>